0: fellow Hop Nerds, Hop Enthusiasts, and Hop Friends. To everybody out there, it is Sam Goodman, The Hop Nerd, coming at you with another episode of The Hop Nerd Podcast. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing great. Before we get started, make sure you head over to the website, www.thehopnerd.com. Follow along on all social media platforms at the Hop Nerd, except for Twitter, because it's special. It is the Hop Nerd1. And make sure you send me an email, thehopnerd at gmail.com or slide into the DMs. I love hearing from you. That's my most favorite part about all this is getting to connect with you, have these amazing conversations. If you got an idea for a subject you want me to cover, if you have an idea for a guest that you would like for me to have on, yes, that is in the works. That is part of the plan. I would like to have some guests on this thing at some point. I know you you will never grow tired of my wonderful hillbilly accent, but I just would like to share with you some others. So again, let me know. Send me an email, slide into the DMs, let me know what you'd like to see. So what I wanted to do is kind of get back to the basics a little bit today um, and really dive into the five hot principles and really explore them around kind of nuts and bolts approaches things that we should see manifest around the five hot principles within our organizations. So for those in the back of the class, let's have a quick, uh, quick refresher on what those are. Uh, Error is normal. Blame fixes nothing. Context drives behavior. Learning is vital. And how we react matters. Now, I also want to tie in some of the key principles of safety differently here because uh, when I go around evangelizing HOP or teaching some of these courses, I like to keep these two together because I think it's important. I think they do go uh, hand in hand. We have to understand that safety is not defined by the absence of accidents, but it's by the presence of positive capacities. Workers are not a problem to manage, they are the problem solvers. We don't constrain workers in order to create safety. We ask workers what they need to do work safely, reliably, and productively. And safety doesn't prevent bad things from happening. Safety ensures good things happen while workers do work in complex and adaptive work environments. So now that we've got all that stuff out of the way, let's dive into some of the nuts and bolts stuff around the five HOP principles. So number one, error is normal. And sometimes people still sum this up as people make mistakes. I, I like air as normal. It's a little, a little warmer, a little friendlier to me. And uh, again, it really goes where we want it to go because air is super duper normal. Uh, and if you're in the same school of thought that I am, you find air to be uh, quite boring uh, when it comes to, especially on the, on the, the other side of bad things happening, air is just really super boring stuff. Uh, so let's define that a little bit. Air is normal. Error, it's not a choice. It's an unintentional deviation from the expected outcome. So where we're really trying to get with this is that our systems have to be designed to be error tolerant. It just has to be seen as something normal that our systems are going to encounter uh, at any given time. So there has to be enough latitude in there, enough margin in there, enough capacity in there. So when the worker zigs instead of zags, the consequence for that error, if if that is an error, uh, isn't death. It isn't anything catastrophic. The, The consequences are very minimal. So on the nuts and bolts side of that, uh, what we're really looking as far as behaviors within the organization is that we start to assume for failure. We start to understand that failure is going to occur. We're shifting that. uh, It sounds small, but it's major. It's a major shift in our organizations uh, in shifting that question from if this fails to a statement of when this fails so what you start to see emerge is designing to fail safely uh, or designing to minimize outcome around failures. Uh, we also want to find ourselves into a space where we're doing some, some forms of defensive testing uh, to make sure that when these failures do occur, that either the systems can absorb them uh, or that they can, they can occur with minimal outcome and that we can recover fast and efficiently uh, and get back onto our feet. The primary tools that we're looking to use here is really around or tools to embrace is really essential controls, defense testing audits, uh, anything that has to do in and around that failing safely because our assumptions have now changed. So on to principle number two, blame fixes nothing. And this is a really hard one. Um, (laughs) It's surprising how angry people get when you tell them that they shouldn't blame people, <laughs> when, you, when you ask them to put down the stick or to retire the stick. Uh, blame is super common in our organizations because it's easy. Uh, And let's make no bones about it. That's why it's there. It's super easy to blame someone. It's a lot easier to blame than it is to uh, improve. Um, If we can blame someone and label something as stupid, the old adage kicks in. You can't fix stupid. Now we can put that in a neat little box with a neat little bow, stick it on a shelf and move on. And that's a whole lot easier than having to actually tackle a problem. So. Emerging behaviors that we really want to see in the organization uh, is that our reactions start to change a lot, right? And we we mentioned that. That's another one that we're going to touch on. But we want to see our reactions change for the better. We want to see our discussions focus on system improvements uh, and really shift to learning. So this one really touches on several other principles that we're going to get into. Um, some changes to embrace, and this is tough, this is a hard one for most organizations, is the removal of zero-tolerance policies, uh, getting away from that zero-tolerance stuff. And, and hear me out on this one. Most organizations have this uh, blah, blah, blah to live by, rules to live by, super important golden eggs that thou shalt must follow or else. Uh, Most organizations have some list there where they say, hey, here's the three, here's the five, here's the 10, here's the 12, super duper awesome important things that you shall follow because if you don't, they will kill you. Uh, And if we find you in any way, shape or form not following these, thou shalt be terminated. We shall banish you to the wilderness uh, and you will never be allowed to come back. That sounds all good uh, and great on the surface. We're saying, well, these things kill people. So um, this is where that old line kicks in. I'd rather see you in the unemployment line than in the morgue. Right? <laughs> that, that's, where, that's where we usually hear something similar to that come up. Uh, but here's the problem. You're taking the heavy hitters. You're taking the stuff uh, that not only can kill you, but it, it does kill us very regularly uh, within our industries. And now we're putting an element around it that says if you report something, not great things are gonna happen to you. If you have a violation and you report it, you're probably not gonna be here anymore. So uh, it gets into that eye for an eye, leaves everybody blind type of thing, and now we're blind to the stuff that actually kills us. Uh, I would much rather live in an organization where I can openly admit and say, hey, I messed up around this super critical thing. Uh, Fortunately, I did not die, but I want to tell you about it so we can learn about it. So that's the reason why we want to embrace that and start to shift away from those zero tolerance policies. Uh, And uh, in addition to that, they obviously just can't have any context around zero tolerance policies. Um, the difference between self-defense and murder is context, right? So, again, I can rant and rant and rant when it comes to things in and around the justice piece uh, of our organizations. But we we want to look at that. We want to look at rewriting maybe some of our HR, HR policies to to kind of shift away from blame, um, biases heavy, bias heavily influences us in the direction of blame. So we want to talk about that. Uh, a great way to start to overcome bias is to start talking about it, start having some sessions on it, just to put it out there in the open and say, hey, we're all biased. Uh, we all have that issue organizationally and individually. So let's talk about that and see how we how we how we move past that. So moving on to number three, learning is Vital. And that's really the only weapon that we have in this whole thing, uh, in this whole game of betterment, in this whole game of trying to make things better. Learning is the only tool we have to get there. So we have to maximize that. We have to use it at its full potential, or we're not doing ourselves uh, much good. So, what we're really saying is we want to keep ourselves in a state of continuous learning and improving. And learning has to be deliberate, right? We ha- we have to make this a deliberate act. So a really good tool to use that we've mentioned and uh, I will continue to mention uh, is learning teams or just operational learning in general. So one of those examples is learning teams, that's one of the tools. Um, pre-job brief, post-job brief, shifting into an understanding that a pre-job brief actually is an exercise in pre learning. It's not so much a tool to check boxes and, and, and learn hazards. Sorry, safety dudes. I'm, I'm, there, I'm here myself, right? <laughs> it, it might be helpful in raising our awareness to some hazards, maybe, kind of, sort of, who knows. Uh, but it's really the, the, real, the real vital piece of this. We can sit down and we can pre-learn. We can plan. We can think things through uh, before we're out there at the coalface trying to do stuff. We can actually think through cause and effect. Conducting listening meetings, um, operational learning observations, um, seeking out friction points, seeking out operator or practitioner struggle. Um, there's a lot of different ways we can do that. And there's a lot of different names I could just pick out of the air to make up for that. But going out and trying to find the friction points in your organization, if you find inefficiency, if you find friction points, you're going to find some other problems. uh, And that's a really good place to start working on stuff and learning. Um, The operational learning observation piece uh, is super important. And that's where I've seen a lot of organizations start to shift is Shifting away from this kind of notion of behavioral-based observations um, and going out and revamping and changing programs to see uh, the observed behavior in the field as kind of the bright and shiny that might get your eye, Uh, but they're starting to push their programs into more of a space to where, okay, I see that behavior uh, within this system. What part of the system is causing you to behave that way? How do we get into the system fixes? So I think there's a lot of space there to grow, uh, a lot of stuff to explore and a lot of experimentation to figure out exactly what that piece looks like. And that kind of ties into the next one, which is context drives behavior, right? People make mistakes. People bend rules. They develop unhealthy norms. We develop habits, all this kind of stuff. It's totally super normal. Right. And if I break a rule, there's a high probability that you're going to have an issue with the same rule. Um, that context matters, and it matters a lot. And the folks that are closest to that work actually understand that context the best. So some of the behaviors that we want to see emerge in our organizations is seeking to understand local rationale. We want to seek out deviation-prone rules or procedures, uh, normalized deviations. We want to find that stuff and focus on improving the systems and the processes instead of trying to fix the individuals. Uh, For so long, we've went down that path, or at least most of our organizations have, where we're so focused on trying to fix the bright and shiny that we mentioned before, which is the obvious, the behavior. Uh, But we're really trying to fix a symptom rather than actually getting into the actual sickness, (laughs) into the actual disease, right? We're just putting Band-Aids on symptoms if we're just coaching and correcting behaviors. We're never getting into the context from which they manifest, from the origin from which they manifest. Um, other tools to embrace here, learning teams, again, black line, blue line meetings, um, those listening sessions. It's still kind of into that learning space. You just want to find out where that stuff is coming from. And then by using the pointy end, the folks that have the context that understand the reality to come up with the, with the fixes. And finally, moving into how? last but not least, let me put it that way, (laughs) how we react matters. And I tack on how we react matters a lot uh, because I believe that this one can sink us really, really, really fast. Um, The way that our leaders react to failure, it builds or breaks us. Uh, It either helps build trust or it harms trust. There's no middle ground with this. It either helps or it hurts. So if you're a hop nerd out there or a, a safety practitioner out there we're in a position that we have to coach these reactions and help to constrain them when when the when the big boss says hey I'm going over to that location right now and I'm going to fix this that's probably a good opportunity to say hey that's probably not a great idea for you <laughs> you to do that that's not going to have the effect that you want um so that's that's one behavior that we would like to see change um we want to see that our solutions, our local solutions, aren't overridden by our corporate departments or overridden by our higher-level leaders. We want to not see that example that I just said, the, the sky is falling example. Um, we want to make sure that our reactions are measured and they're appropriate and they're coming from a place of care and they're absorbed uh, or they're interpreted as, being, as coming from a place of care. When we get down to policy changes, we want to make sure that those are coming from the folks that actually do the work. Back to uh, back to our discussions uh, previously in the cast on procedures and things like that. Uh, that pointy end of the stick, they have all the knowledge. Um, let them build those policy changes if there need to be any policy changes. And here's a shocker for some: um, our need to react often uh, is driven by our need to have corrective actions, and sometimes events might not require corrective actions. That's that's an answer too. So uh, I think you should evaluate that stuff. You should make sure that what we're doing actually matters, that it actually comes from the folks that have to do the work. Let them come up with those solutions. Uh, and we want to stay in that uh, communicating differently or communication differently space. Um, we want to make sure that we're coming from a place of care and that we're communicating to folks like they're, like like the, our employees are our BFFs, not that it's uh, not that we're giving them some – we don't want to be giving them some strategic corporate communication, especially when it comes around an event, especially when it comes around something where we probably have a friend or a coworker that's significantly injured uh, or maybe not even significantly injured, a bump a bruise or something. We just want to make sure that it's coming from a place – of care, they were asking how the employees doing, and on and on and on. I don't want to get too far down into the into the details of that, but some tools that we can really look at is using advisory boards, using communication reviews. Um, before that, that director, that VP fires off that email, they should have a few people that they run it by. That's probably not in the C-suite. Right before that site manager fires off that email, uh, before that regional whoever, whatever, insert your title here, fires off that email, we should probably let someone review that. Just to make sure it says what they think it actually says, because we've all been there, done that, and we can send out some stuff and have it completely misinterpreted. <laughs> Back to that saying, and we, we mentioned it in our, in our hop a minute on communication differently um, we're not only responsible for the intent of our communication, but we're responsible for how people receive that, right? How they interpret that as well. So we just want to make sure that we're sending clear messages that we're coming from a place of care. So that was some nuts and bolts stuff that was running through that. Uh, that went pretty quick. Um, so what do you think? Right, wrong, crazy, somewhere in the middle? Uh, again, I get crazy a lot. I'm cool with that. I, I, I accept my, uh, my craziness. Like it, love it, hate it, got to have it. Let me know. TheHopNerd is email.com. As I mentioned, cruise over to the website, www.TheHopNerd.com. Check me out on all those social media platforms at TheHopNerd. But get a hold of me. That's my favorite part. Send me an email. Slide into the DMs. Heck, give me a call. Shoot me a text message. I'll take it any way I can get it. Make sure you reach out. Let me know what's going on in your world. Until next time, this is Sam Goodman, The Hop Nerd. signing out. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.